This is Around the Rim with LaChina Robinson. Hello, basketball fans. It is your favorite time of the week. It's your ESPNW Women's Basketball Podcast, Around the Rim. It's also your favorite month of the year. It's March. Yay! Uh, Can I get some applause? Oh, yeah. Can you give me some? Yay! Come on. Okay, there she is. That other voice is my fantastic and fabulous producer, Tarika Foster-Bradby. I am your host, LaChina Robinson, and we are here to talk women's basketball. It's an important time of year for our sport because there's more parity in the game than we have ever seen. We don't know who's going to win the national championship, so don't ask us. We also don't know who's going to be in Tampa, but that's a good thing. It's going to make for an exciting March, and right now, this week, We are kicking off conference tournament time. I am personally at the ACC tournament covering for Raycom. Our special guests today on the show, Carolyn Peck and Pam Ward, are at the SEC tournament. Big 10 is happening. Pac-12 will be starting soon. Big 12 will be starting soon. What else, Tarika? What did I forget? Um... I'll be at American Athletic Conference this weekend. So. Tarika will be at the American, but there are tons of it's, conference. Everything is going on. Yes, everything's going on. So we are going to have our conference tournament special. We know that you loved when we did that last year where we had different analysts on to talk about the conference tournaments they were covering. We're going to do that next week. Uh, whether a conference tournament is ending or starting, we will recap them all in our show. But for this week, We are catching up with Pam Ward and Carolyn Peck and talking about what they've seen this season. We're going to talk about some injuries and how that could impact conference tournaments in in NCAA seating. Um, And also those, some of those on the bubble, we will talk a little bit about player of the year, who everyone's leaning towards, even though the field is stacked. Mm -hmm. Um, We will talk just a little bit also um, just about a, bar- a variety of players that Pam and Carolyn have seen along the way. So we'll dip into a little bit of everything, but definitely into the SEC where they are covering this week. Um, and with that, we're going to move into the first quarter. First quarter. So um, the NCAA had their second and final reveal. I don't know where I was. I thought there were three reveals. Maybe they cut it down to two this year. Um, I need to look into that. Maybe it's my bad math. But the NCAA did their final reveal of the top 16 seeds for the NCAA tournament. And basically what that is, the the selection committee says, if the tournament started today, these would be our top 16 seeds. And the reason why that's important, because the top 16 seeds get to host the first and second rounds. So one seeds, according to the committee in order, Baylor, Louisville, Notre Dame, UConn, two seeds, Oregon, Mississippi State, Stanford, Iowa, three seeds, NC State, Maryland, Oregon State, South Carolina, four seeds, Miami, Iowa State, and two new four seeds this week, the Syracuse Orange and Texas A&M. So that's the seeding. You'll have to go and look in terms of where everyone is. We're not going to get into the regional um, set up right now, but it was much more balanced. Even Charlie Cream said on our yes. on our broadcast on Monday that it was much more balanced. Tariq, I think we might have some recap from that. Let's let's play that from Monday. So Charlie, when you see this reveal, we've already seen one already this season. Uh, what stands out to you? 
Great 16. I, we had a little bit of a criticism the last time, three weeks ago. This one, nothing really to point to to critique. The interesting things, I think you alluded to it, Maria, <laughs> Louisville and Chicago, Notre Dame and Portland as the two overall and the three overall. Now, what happens in the ACC tournament, I think, determines whether those two teams stay in those regions, mm-hmm. if they even stay number one seeds, or if they flip-flop and maybe Notre Dame gets to go to Chicago, but then Louisville would be the team in Portland. I think that's going to be the number one thing to watch during championship week. Yeah, we- okay, so I, maybe I am going to go into the regional since Charlie went there. Uh, here are the regions as were laid out by the selection committee. It was Portland, Notre Dame one seed, Oregon two, South Carolina three, Syracuse four, Greensboro region, Baylor one, Iowa two, NC State three, Texas A&M four, Chicago region, Louisville one, Stanford two, Maryland three, Iowa State four, and Albany region, UConn one, Mississippi State two, Oregon State three, Miami four. And what Charlie alluded to is that some people are surprised that Notre Dame is not in Chicago, and instead it's Louisville. Notre Dame beat Louisville head-to-head. Notre Dame has the number one strength of schedule. They did lose to an unranked North Carolina team without Jackie Young, who just finished her season with back-to-back triple-doubles. Do I think Notre Dame should be in Chicago? I think that they should be the higher number one seed. So, yes, I think they should be in Chicago already, based on what I just shared. Louisville has had a fantastic season, but you know what? I'm okay with them duking it out in the ACC tournament. I'm okay with saying whoever makes it through the ACC, which is the number one conference RPI right now, which is on fire coming into the tournament here Mm -hmm. in Greensboro, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with saying, you know what? Whoever should get that number one seed, earn it. Earn it. Asia Durr was announced ACC Player of the Year. There's lots of, you know, just awesome things happening. Earn your earn Chicago. But I will say this, and coaches won't admit this. Maybe they will. I think some coaches like going out west because there's fewer distractions. Not that they don't want to win games in front of their fans, but I don't think it's all bad if you end up out West and you get to focus in on you and your team and not a bunch of hoopla. I mean, that's just me. I'm saying. I think it's always... a not a distraction if you end up out West, not having to play Oregon. Well, that's true too. <laughs> because... now, that, that's true too. But let's not forget what happened last year, Tarika. Now, not to bring up bad things for the Oregon Ducks true. fans, but Notre Dame went out there and left the West coast on their way to the final four after beating Oregon. But can I ask you a question though? So sure. with it possibly coming down to whoever wins the ACC. I'm going to go on a limb, as I'm sure most of us will, and say it will come down to between Louisville and Notre Dame winning the ACC tournament. But don't you think that just provides even more of the parity that we've talked about, you know, throughout the course of this year so far with having that question of, you know, what it looks like now is not guaranteed. I think in the past, what we've seen from looking at the AP polls, we've kind of been able to stay spot on with what it will look like when Selection Monday comes. But I think the way that they've balanced it right now actually just adds to that fact that we have really no idea what's really going to happen in women's basketball now. And I think I kind of like that. Oh, yeah, I like it. I mean, I like it, you know, but we still got to, you know, make some guesses, try to get the opinion out there. 
But I agree. It's been fun because who wants to have all the answers? Not me. I mean, I, I think I do, but yeah, definitely don't have all the answers. So we'll keep our eyes on the ACC. That's the update from the reveal. But for now, let's move into our second quarter because we have some very special guests for you to hear from. Second quarter, inside the huddle. All right, basketball fans. So I have to tell you that I'm already like way too excited for my next two guests. Um, I don't even know how to describe our relationship, but we're definitely all family. They're two of my favorite people. They probably know more about me and my, you know, my weird personality and all my whatever um, than most people because we spend so much time together. But please welcome to the show um, ESPN analyst and former national championship head coach of Purdue, Carolyn Peck, and hey. oh wait, we wait, we gotta get weeds okay. in too. Oh, you okay. want your own? Okay. You want your own? Go ahead. Yeah, Carolyn Peck. Yay! Good to be with you, Latina. Hey, CP is getting her own love. Okay, now for my next guest. And I'm just telling y'all right now, I'm shocked to even have her on the podcast because she keeps a pretty low profile. I do think she's a little bit of a creeper on social media. I can't find her anywhere, but I think she does at least, you know, look every once in a while. Please join me in welcoming ESPN play-by-play and the first woman play-by-play announcer of football and the history of broadcasting. Pam Ward! Welcome, Pam! Hey, I'm only doing this because I thought we were talking only about your personal life. (laughs) No! No, please. None of that at all. That's only for post-game conversation. Okay, okay. Gotcha. Uh, But welcome to the show. I'm super excited to have you guys. Now, you are going to be uh, covering the SEC, and you're already there watching some games in preparation for the semifinals and the finals, correct? Yes. So yeah, we'll ha- start. What- um, we'll start Thursday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Oh, you start Thursday! Wow. Yeah. We get a, we get a heavy dose. Okay. So, um, what's happening right now in in the SEC that you think of, is of note? I know one thing that stands out to me on the ticker. I saw that Kennedy Carter. Um, is out with an apparent finger uh, injury, which could be huge for Texas A&M, a team that's trying to hold on to uh, what looks like a hosting opportunity based on our last NCAA reveal. So what what's happening there with Kennedy Carter, and, and what do you think, how does that impact Texas A&M? Well, we're going to uh, watch and practice uh, tomorrow and just see, you know, how – Coach Blair is going to finagle. You know, the thing that they have is the ability to defend. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, depending on who it ends up that they're playing, defense is going to be key. And uh, Shambria Washington, their point guard, who had to play point when – you remember when uh, Kennedy Carter was suspended against Lamar? Yeah. And – Washington wasn't used to being on the court without Kennedy Carter having Kennedy available, and that kind of was a debacle. They had way too many turnovers. But now she's gained more experience and more confidence. But, you know, where does all the offense come from? You know, Taylor Wells has stepped up her scoring, but I don't know how you fill a hole like Kennedy Carter. Yeah, yeah. Just, uh, as far as the injury is concerned, too, it is. Uh, she had surgery on the finger, so it's definitely it's not a minor injury. And what they're saying is that 
she will definitely miss the SEC tournament and will be back for the NCAA tournament. But as you mentioned, right now, they're a top four seed. They get to host. But if she is unavailable to play, there's no way they should be a top four seed. So it's a, it's really a sticky situation. But she uh, she injured it enough that it needed to have surgery. That brings up a great point, Pam. And we've gone back and forth with this whole debate about how the committee looks at injuries, right? Because North Carolina, I'm here in Greensboro at the ACC tournament. They could have an issue where Stephanie Watts has been out the last few games. They're a different Carolina team without her. Um, Katie Lou did not play in UConn's regular season finale because something happened to her back. I don't know if she's going to return. And so it's always in in, in Notre Dame even. You know, we're having a conversation about how they're weighing their loss uh, without Jackie Young. And you can say the same for many teams across the board who, who may have had a player without that didn't play because of injury and so how that affects where they are. But I, I think you're absolutely right in that Texas A&M without Kennedy Carter is a different team, right? So why should they be given the advantage from a seeding standpoint when what we've seen of them without Kennedy is not very good or not as good? We'll say that. Yeah, and we talked to Charlie Cream, who is here in Greenville, South Carolina, and teams are supposed to let the committee know injury issues uh, just so that they can see better. And we, uh, people who are old like me remember what happened when Stanford was the number one uh, way back when, and they lost to number 16, uh, Harvard, and they were down a couple of players with ACLs. And, and since then, uh, the, the committee is putting more of an emphasis on, uh, I guess, honesty, I guess, as far as injuries are concerned. But coaches and teams, of course, know that that's going to affect seeding and hosting. So it's really sort of a, an interesting issue. It, okay. is. it is. But but this is how I feel on it, Latina, is that Teams should be seeded based on where they earn to be, not based on the prediction of where you think they can get because you're punishing a team because a player got hurt. If they've earned to be there and aren't able to be successful, then, you know, but they earn the right to be where they are. I don't think and they should be penalized I... for an injury. Okay, so I agree with that, with the exception of this. This is where I think it's a, di- a disadvantage for the team. Because if they give a Texas A&M, and I'm just using that as them, they give them a four seed, right? Then they're mm-hmm. going to have to play a team that's going to be, well, no, I get what, okay, now, no, no, no. Actually, I'm thinking about that wrong. Okay, so I get what you're saying. So you're saying that they should be able to have the competitive advantage against a lower seed if they've earned to be there. I get that. But they're not going to be the same team. That's where I, I, I struggle with it. If a player gets hurt, you don't know. There have been situations where the seventh man has been able to come in and the coach adjust to where the team is able to hang on. And the thing is, is that are you putting them in a position where they could possibly win a game or you, it's a tournament? In order to win the championship, you got to, there's a possibility you could play anybody. It's just yeah. how you start. Yeah, that's a no. That's a good point. That's a fair point. I just, I do think that how you earn it though. So they earn that position with Kennedy Carter. I agree with you, China. Right. They would not have. They're not the same team, her. especially someone like Kennedy Carter, who was one of the best players. Yeah, in the country. one of the best players in the country. Okay, so we'll move on from the injury bug. Um, what else at the SEC? I mean, is there a team? Obviously, South Carolina and Mississippi State played. Um, you know, at the end of the regular season for a chance for South Carolina to get uh, part of the SEC crown. That didn't happen. 
Um, Tierra McCowan has been outstanding SEC player of the year. Um, anybody else knock off South Carolina or, or Mississippi State? Is there someone else we should be watching? Well, you do remember that earlier this year, Missouri beat Mississippi State in the regular season. So we're coming into the SEC tournament, and there's no team that's undefeated that walked the table. So I think that there's a lot of parity in the SEC, and I think there's a potential for a few upsets, and it may be somebody that's unexpected to win it all. Mm-hmm. Could Tennessee? Do we think Tennessee could go on a run? Do you think Tennessee needs to go on a run to make it to the NCAA tournament? Yes, I think they need to go on a run, and no, I don't think they will. We're about to go out and watch them practice, which should be really interesting because they, as everyone knows, I mean, that, that debacle against Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt lost to Alabama today by a lot. So yeah. it was, uh, so it, I, yeah, they do need to, and of course they're playing LSU. That, is, that might be the most intriguing game of this tournament before the final because uh, whoever loses that game is not going to make the NCAA tournament, according to Charlie Cream and a lot of other people. And so it's, uh, it's sort of like a play-in game. So it's, it's mm-hmm. very, very interesting. Well, I, I think that if Tennessee could re, uh, rewind a little bit and go back to the team that beat Texas, mm. like that team had that swag. And if they could put whatever else is on their minds aside and just focus on the tournament, because I, I believe from one end of the bench to the other, they've got the most talent. Mm-hmm. So now can they put that together on the floor and be competitive mm-hmm. this weekend? Yeah. I remember I saw them early in the season in in the Bahamas in Bimini, and you just see that team, and they are so talented. They're athletic, they're big, they're fast, but I just never felt like they had a consistent motor. And I'll be honest, I have not watched Tennessee a lot during the SEC season. I've I've seen glimpses of them, Um, but I I just I, I remember a Tennessee team that just had, I mean, even when they weren't their most skilled teams, they played harder than you every night. And that in the SEC, you have to have, if nothing else, right? Like they, they I, I remember them playing hard, hard in stretches, but just that consistent all out effort. And some of it, and you see, you know this, some of it's chemistry, some of it is youth, right? I mean, this is a, a fairly young Tennessee team if you look at it on paper. And then, so there's a lot of different things that could weigh into it. But that was just something that I thought about was an easy fix um, probably along the way. But I'm sure Holly Warlick would say it's much more than that. We'll be keeping our eyes on the SEC. I, I'm intrigued with Missouri and Kentucky because – you know, those are two teams that you wonder how good they really are. Now, Missouri has had some big wins, but hasn't been consistent. You know, Kentucky's had some good, not so in some not so good moments. I was there when they got knocked off at home by Ole Miss, obviously without Macy Morris. Um, but when you're depending on like a freshman like Ryan Howard, who's in her first uh, postseason, you know, how is that going to go for the Wildcats? But that was our second quarter with Carolyn Peck and Pam Ward, but we've got more coming in the third quarter. You won't want to miss it. Stick around and please continue to interact with Tarika and I on social media via email. Our Twitter handle is at Around the Rim Pod. You can email us at Around the Rim 
podcast at gmail.com. My Twitter handle is at LaChina Robinson. Tarika is at SheKnowsSports underscore. And we're on Sirius XM channel 84 if you want to check us out there. Please also make sure you go to the ESPN app or your Apple podcast app, whatever, wherever you go to get your podcast and search for Around the Rim. Hit the subscribe button so that we can keep up with you and you can get our podcast before everyone else. We'll be back with more after this. Third quarter. Scouting report. All right, fans. We are back with our very special guests, Carolyn Peck and Pam Ward of ESPN. You guys have just not been in the SEC only. You've traveled a lot throughout the season. And one stop that in particular I want to ask you about is Miami. Because I know you had them for a, a couple of games. And at the ACC tournament, Yes, it's been all Notre Dame and Louisville since those two teams have have entered. More Notre Dame than Louisville. But now that Miami has knocked both of those teams out in the regular season, can they do it in the tournament? Is there anything that you guys have seen from Miami in your time with them that would indicate yes or no? I would say yes. The the potential is there. What is needed is you've got to have consistent play from that post game in Mesa Hoff and Beatrice Mom Premier and the dominance that they can have when they're when they are uh dominant in the paint and it's not just their scoring. Mom Premier, yeah, the scoring, but also when it goes inside to Hoff. Hoff has a terrific ability to find open shooters around the perimeter. Once the ball goes in, it can come out. And they're going to need uh, Laura Cornelius and Mikea Gray to make threes. They got to make shots. She said making threes is something that when Cornelius is hitting, their their winning percentage is much better. But Hoff is a really intriguing player and, and uh, a fun kid and, and somebody who passes the ball well is ambidextrous. And they're the only team, the only team to beat Notre Dame and Louisville in the same season. Uh, since both of those teams got into the ACC, so they are, you know, they certainly are confident enough to do it. They they can be inconsistent, but I agree with Carolyn. Yeah, they can do it. They can spoil the the, the Notre Dame Louisville final that everybody's talking about. Pam Ward, are yeah. you agreeing with me? Hey, the little just does do the fans know that those are some of our best moments when we don't disagree, but especially when we don't agree, but especially when you two disagree, that is like my favorite. Because I just sit back and listen to both sides and see all the it, it those are our best times. Um, anything else out of the ACC? Anyone else got a shot in your opinion? NC State, Syracuse. I mean, I'm I, I'll be honest with you. I I was with Notre Dame for two Mondays in a row at NC State and at Syracuse, and they didn't even know that those two teams were there. I mean, the Irish since they lost to Miami and they were not happy about that. They have gotten a, a different level of focus. Now, I'm wondering how the news that Asia Durr is player of the year and not Arike Gubawala. I mean, Louisville cleaned up with most of the major awards. They got six man of the year. Um, but that may add a little fuel to the fire, too. Not to say, you know, I mean, that's fine. I think both of those players have had great years. But there seems to always be a little bit of controversy and a little bit of and competitiveness between Louisville and Notre Dame. Um, but Notre Dame has really been on a on a tear lately. I All think right. that Muffin McGraw knows how to really tune them in 
and, you know, get them motivated. She knows what buttons to push, especially this time of year. Yeah, well, and Mabry is a little feisty, too. So if you get her going. I love her. I love her. She (laughs) plays with that swag. Yeah, you get her going, you're heading in the right direction. So I know that player of the year is is not a clear-cut discussion, right? Like everyone is saying, oh, I'm not sure it could be Nafisa Collier or it could be Tara McCowan. Um, let's see. The Naismith finalists are Anigwe, Kalani Brown, Collier, Asia Durr, Megan Gustafson, uh, Alana Smith of Stanford, Katie Lou, Arike Gumbawale, um, again, Tierra McCowan and Sabrina Ionescu. I, I picked Sabrina Ionescu for my player of the year, even though it's early. I would love to wait to make that decision, but, you know, I'm trying to go out of here on a limb a little bit just because I feel like her triple doubles, she has most in a season this year, is a historical feat. Like, I always take history over performance. So if you're, if you're doing something like, I mean, who will ever be her record, right? When will that happen? We have no clue. And to me, that is so significant that I, I, th- I think she's played the year. Her numbers, her efficiency is greater than a lot of these other players. The number of ways, obviously, through a triple-double that she contributes to a game with rebounds, assists, scoring, and all that, that's my pick. Um, anybody else out there for you guys or anybody you feel strongly about? Well, I, I agree that uh, I, if I had a vote, and I don't, uh, I would go with UNESCO just because of the versatility. Oregon obviously is a very good team, but all those names that you mentioned, they're studs. Like and Christina Nigway yes. over at Cal doesn't get oh, yes. because she's on the West Coast. This kid is putting up numbers that are just jaw-dropping, and she doesn't get a lot of attention. Gustafson has been terrific at Iowa. So it's, it's going to be interesting. But, yeah, if I had to pick someone, it, it would be UNESCO. Carolyn? Yeah. Well, and another West Coast player, Nikwe, is just an athlete, phenomenal rebounder. Like, you know, when you go in SU, and I think she is a fantastic player, but also when you have three other players on the perimeter shooting over 45%, then it opens up for you to be able to do a lot of different things. So, like, like Pam said, there's a lot of studs on that list. So I'm just looking forward to watching them in the tournament. Yeah. How about just a national landscape for you guys? Like, you know, I mean, I don't – it's been so hard to be an AP voter this year, to be honest with you, because I don't know who's good. You know, I do know I, – I feel confident about, like, the top six or seven teams, right? Like, we're, we'll probably say seven, maybe even eight, you know, are, like, national championship level. But there are some teams that look like – they could knock somebody off at any moment, you know, like throughout the season, we just had this interesting parody. Like I never remember, like, I don't think we've ever changed number ones this often in the AP rankings. Like it's been, Oh, is it Louisville? Is it Notre Dame? Baylor definitely deserving to be there right now. And I think that's where they'll be throughout the duration. Um, But, you know, is it really as wide open as it seems to, to you guys? Yeah, I, absolutely. And I've, again, been covering this sport a long time. And there's, there's been nothing like this. And I think you're right. We could have – usually when you go in, you think there's maybe the two or three teams that have a chance to win it. I think that there's at least eight that could. And there are teams like you wouldn't be surprised if they get knocked out in, like, the second or third round. You look at, like, for instance, what's happening in the Big Ten. 
where there's not mm-hmm. that tournament could be really interesting. Maryland won the regular season, but they had some losses in conference that uh, they're not used to getting. And I think the conference tournaments are going to be incredibly exciting, and it's going to carry over to the national tournament. Well, and yeah, we, we did. Pam and I did the Maryland South Carolina game at the beginning of the season. Maryland, to me, looked like one of those teams that was going to be in Tampa. Yep. So you know, you know, when you're when you get into the NCAA tournament, you only have to win six games. Six yeah. games. And so with that happening, with the parity of this season and the, 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 the diverse, diversity of the talent, how it's spread out across the country, the wrong matchup, I mean, it could be – when you look at – and I just – within the SEC, you had Missouri and Texas A&M. Missouri has one post player, but they were better when their post player wasn't on the floor. And so that matchup problem – across the country in different matchups, different styles of play, anybody can win. Yeah. And you know who we haven't talked about, Carolyn? I'm surprised you haven't brought them up. The number one team in the country right now. They're not getting a lot of love oh, and attention. Nobody's talking about Baylor. Nobody's talking about Baylor. And the, I think the biggest thing, yeah, you have Kalani Brown and you've got um, uh, Cox. And – but it is Chloe Jackson who has been converted from a shooter to a point guard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that, that's the thing because I think ever since Stanford exposed that those two post players weren't ready to handle double teams, Pat uh, – uh, Kim Mulkey? Kim Mulkey. Come on. Thank you, thank you Pam. <laughs> Kim Mulkey has made the adjustments, and those those two are – Ready inside. Yeah. I, I I agree with you. I think Baylor's so underappreciated. And I'm going to tell you why I think Baylor's underappreciated. I think Baylor's underappreciated because no one respects post play. That's number one, right? Thank so you. That's correct. Nobody's giving the post the love they deserve. Number two, the Big 12, let's be honest, has been inconsistent. It's, it's not, not as good. good as we've seen it. Right. It's not as good as we've seen it in the past year. So everyone's kind of like, okay, we'll wait to see Baylor in the NCAA tournament, right? And then right. let's say, and, and the third reason is that they're a defensive team, and they're a really good defensive team. And I know everyone loves offense, but the way we saw them shut down UConn and, you know, the list goes on and on. I mean, they've put on defensive clinics. And defense may not be fun, but it wins games. You know what I mean? I love the defense. I'm not one of these that says, well, you know, you can't touch the players and just let them. We, we're, we're playing basketball, not horse. <laughs> yeah, we're, <laughs> we're going to be physical. No, I'm with you on that. Okay, so two more things for you guys. So I got a, a, another serious basketball question and then a fun question. I'm going to let you guys go to practice. So really quickly, my serious question is, is there one player that you want fans to know about as we head not only deeper into conference tournaments but also NCAA? One player that you think doesn't get enough love or that you just really enjoy watching and you want to put him out there? Who is it? Hmm. Okay, the SEC tournament, um, Taja Cole for Georgia, their guard. I, I think she's when she's on, she's the Louisville transfer. She's really exciting. And and nationally, I go back, you know, to to players like Anigwe and Gustafson, more more post players who people don't get to see a lot of, and they're uh, and they're really elite players. Carolyn, I, I cannot believe Pam Ward, you did not say Mesa Hoff. Oh, Mesa Hoff, of course. Opinion. Can I do that again? And you know what I really like about it? She's a very talented player. She's ambidextrous. Uh, she plays hard. 
But the thing that I love about her the most is she plays with a smile on her face. She has fun. I love those kids that love to play. Well, I'm surprised that Pam Ward didn't say Tamika Catchings, but we'll we'll save that. Oh, for she's me. here. Do you know she's here and with us at the SEC <laughs> oh, tournament? Oh, I forgot. Yeah, you so I'm, a way I'm to very, get very, very happy. Good. I know. Okay, you we are. got We're two happy. minutes. Okay, one last question. Fun question. Top three, top three SEC cities for best restaurants. Top three uh, SEC cities best restaurants. I will. I'm, number one is Nashville. Okay. Number two, South Carolina. What? Columbia yeah. has some good stuff going on, yeah. Oh, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Got it covered in Columbia. Okay, what else? Number, last one. Last one. I go Athens, Georgia. I just love Athens. Oh, I'm going to have to go. I'm going to Lexington, Kentucky. Oh, yeah. Lexington. See, this Get me is some Tony's, some Malone. See, this is interesting. Uh, because Tiff- Tiffany Green and Chris Damiani, who I work with on our package, I mean, they were all in Oxford. They were trying to convince me of all kinds of stuff happening at SEC restaurant-wise, Auburn. And I didn't hear any of that from you guys. See, they so, need to get out more. <laughs> Columbia, Missouri actually has a really good uh, ve- uh, vegetarian restaurant right across the street with China is an ice cream shop. So that that's pretty good, too. I know you're about the vegetarian stuff. Hey, I love you guys. I appreciate your time on the show. We'll be listening to you all the way through the NCAA tournament, definitely at the SEC for the next few days. Thank you guys for just being who you are. And if you need me, just text me, okay? Anytime, Tina. <laughs> love you, right. China. Thank love you. Love you guys. Fourth quarter. Out of bounds. All right, basketball fans, we are nearing an end of an awesome show. But before we go, we definitely want to let you know, because I don't know about you, LaChina, but my Twitter is always blowing up with people asking if we are going to be returning to the Final Four to do a live podcast like we did last year. And I'm assuming that that means they enjoyed it and therefore they want us to do it again. So I figure we just get the people what they want. So we're going to be at the final four. <laughs> we are going to be doing Yay! a live podcast in Tampa, people. So if you are going to be in Tampa um, for the final four, please make sure you come and check us out. More details um, as far as exactly where and what time will be released as we get closer. But we are going to be there. So we do want to see you. That makes me really, really, really happy. We had a blast last year doing our live podcast. People ask questions. We had Brianna Stewart. We had Asia Wilson. We had Kelsey Mitchell. Yep. Amber Stocks, Kurt Miller, Tisha Pinachero. We did. We did. So I'm looking forward to that. More Hall of Famers, more players, more coaches, more friends of the podcast. Um, And of course, more time with the fans. So I'm excited about that. And speaking of the fans, our fans really have shown up and shown out for us because we just reached a thousand follows on Yay! our Twitter handle yep. at Around the Rim Pod. Thank you guys for following us. Yes. We appreciate that. Seriously, like it's been three years now that Tariq and I have been doing Around the Rim mm-hmm. and we do it for you. We do it for the fans. We do it for the coaches. We do it for the players. You know, it's something that 
we started out at least Tarika knew what she was doing because she was already working in the radio podcast land I have never hosted in my life I'm still not very good at it but we've kept it going we've had some great guests we've talked about basketball we've interacted with fans hopefully you enjoy it we're always open to how we can get better trust me we know we're not the gold standard even though Sports Illustrated did give us a little shout out. And we appreciate but, that. But, uh, yeah, thank you for rocking with us. And just, you, you tweet us. I see you out on the road. I wish Tarika got to be with me sometimes because you'll just say, around the rim, as I'm walking by, and it's the best feeling ever. Um, so thank you guys for following us on Twitter. Continue to interact with us. And thank you for listening. Keep sharing. Absolutely. Um, and uh, with that, I guess we can... Oh, say our goodbyes until next time. Um, I will see you guys, um, on Twitter because I will be live tweeting and doing all this crazy stuff from the AAC tournament. We don't know what LaChina gonna be doing. Because- oh my goodness, what did I do? Are you talking about my Instagram? Yeah, Instagram. Nah, I put is my lit. Instagram account up here. But what I will say, <laughs> what I will say on my behalf is yes my instagram is a little bit more personal than my twitter uh but if you see tarika at the american athletic conference tournament please say hello to her please do um she has a gorgeous spirit around the room is nothing without her so fans i'm asking you especially for my uconn fans because i know you guys are always so nice on the road you you you, you stop us you say hi mostly only when i'm with rebecca lobo but um <laughs> So please show Tarika some love. And I'll be at Big Ten this weekend. I go from ACC Friday to Big Ten this weekend. So I can't wait to see the Big Ten fans there. Very unpredictable. Should be a lot of fun. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to Around the Rim. Check out more podcasts from ESPN on the ESPN app.